0: will you turn in your bibles to psalm 42 with me we are in a series called summer in the psalms and we're going to look at a really beautiful but very heartfelt psalm this morning psalm 42 let's read through the entire psalm and then let's open with a word of prayer As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all the day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng And lead them in procession to the house of God, with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Father, thank you for including this beautiful psalm in your word. And we pray that, Lord, as we meditate upon this passage, that you will speak to our hearts. Lord, I pray that as the psalmist pray, that you will stir a deep thirst in our souls for you. For you, O God. And that in the midst of whatever hard times we ever endure, that we shall also follow the psalmist's example and look to God and hope in God, knowing we shall again praise him for your good. So bless this time, we pray, in Jesus' name, amen. The book of Psalms is broken into actually five books. Psalm 42 is the first book of the second book. And a summary of the second book is that it it speaks of, or the theme of the second book is God before us. God before us. The God that goes before us. Psalm 42 is the honest confession of a man whose soul is in deep distress. Deep distress. And is fighting for faith to believe that God is going to meet him there. We don't know for sure who wrote Psalm 42. The inscription uh, might look like it's written by the sons of Korah, but many believe that it actually was written for the sons of Korah, and the Hebrew word could be translated for them, uh, for the clan of Korah to sing. But many believe it's a Psalm of David. Spurgeon says it drips David all throughout. And many believe that it's written by David during the time when he was, had to run from, for his life from his son Absalom, who rose up to take the kingdom from him. And so his own son rises and rebels against him, accumulates a huge army, and David and his best men are on a run for their lives. They're exiled from Jerusalem, exiled from their home. They've got all of this difficult time going on and in the midst of this, his enemies are taunting him with the question, hey, where is your God? So that's a great time for enemies to come along and kick you when you're down. Hey, where's your God now? And the thing about that taunt, the reason why it hits him so hard is because his own heart's asking the same question, God, where are you? Have you forgotten me? It's a dark, it's a lonely season. Life is crashing down on David. He talks about where he is. He's in, he's in uh, Mount Hermon. He's, he's out there in a specific place in the land of Jer- Jordan, far from his homeland. And he says life is crashing down on him like, like waterfalls roaring relentlessly, pushing him under waves and breakers that are breaking over his head so he can't even catch a breath. And then David surprises us by saying these overwhelming circumstances where he's gasping for breath, he's gasping for life, he feels like things are pushing him down. He surprises us by saying, and all this is from you, God. Verse 9 says, deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls, all your breakers and your waves have gone over me. David attributes ownership of the waterfalls, the breakers, and the waves to God. Your waterfalls, your breakers, your waves have gone over me. David looks at the landscape of his life right now. He sees his son, a son whom he loves, trying to kill him. He's in exile. He's far from home, and he's far from the house of God where he loves to worship with God's people. He's got enemies rising up against him, laughing about him, mocking him. And David says, ultimately, God has allowed this into my life. God could stop this, but God has not stopped this. Therefore, this, these waves, these breakers belong to God. And so what we see in Psalm 42 is really an emotional seesaw. He goes up. He says, why so downcast? O oh, my soul, put your hope in God. And then he goes down. Why have you forgotten me, God? And then he goes up. By day, God commands his steadfast love over me. And then he goes down. Why do you allow my enemies to oppress me, saying, where is your God? And then again, he goes up, hope in God, for I shall again praise him. In Psalm 42, we are brought into a conversation that's going on in David's soul. This is David's soul speaking. It's soul talk. Sometimes his soul is pouring out in prayer to God. My soul thirsts for you, O God. And sometimes he's speaking to his soul. Why so downcast, O my soul? David is asking honest questions. Why have you forgotten me? He knows God hasn't forgotten him, but it feels, it feels like God has forgotten him. It's okay to be honest with God. When we go through hard times, it's okay to be honest with God. In fact, God wants us to be honest with him. There are going to be times in your life when waves and breakers are going to be just breaking over your head and you can't catch a breath i don't know about you i've had that experience i've been out in the ocean when the waves are crashing over me and i couldn't catch my breath i couldn't get up for air and i struggled well that happens in life sometimes where circumstances just keep coming and you're wanting a breath of air and something else. hits. I, as a pastor, I've seen it in people's lives so many times. Like, God, would you just give this person a break, please? Would you give them a time of refreshing? And you know what? Sometimes God does right away, and there's refreshing. It's like, thank you, God. Sometimes more breakers come, and it's like, how you doing? It's like oh, more, more waves, more breakers. And then on top of that, when things are going hard, if you've got anybody who's got it out for you, anybody who mocks your faith or, does, or thinks you're a fraud or whatever, this is a great time for them to sit back and say, hmm, looks like trusting God isn't working out that good for you. And they mock. That's what's going on in David's life. David's honest with God. It's okay to be honest with God. David goes there, but he doesn't stay there. I I love his resilience. He fights for faith. He talks to his soul. He says, God, soul, it's kind of funny. He says, soul, why are you so downcast? But he's actually just kind of answered it. Everything in life is going wrong. He says, but why are you so downcast? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him. God is going to help me. And I want want you to be able to say that in your heart when you're in a hard circumstance. Things may look hard right now. Things may look tough right now. God is going to help me. God is going to draw me through this. He's going to get me through this. God is going to come through. Put your hope in God's soul. Put your hope in God. David talks to his soul. I want to uh, point out one thing. When life goes like this and goes sideways and things are hard and and things are going wrong and and all of that, when I was younger, I could have given you reasons why. You know, I, I knew why. And I could sit with somebody and say, well, here's five reasons why this is happening. As I've gotten older, I realized life is way too complicated for that and God's mm-hmm. doings are too mysterious to always trace out here's why I've talked with people who are going through crushing heartbreak and giving them answers why it's 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 not helpful But I do want to humbly submit one undercurrent reason why God sometimes allows what he has allowed in David's life for a season. Because ironically, during these seasons, when everything else, everything we rely on, all the strength we think we have is stripped away, God can use that to deepen our thirst for him. To deepen our desperate thirst for God. These trials, and you notice David uses a lot of watery metaphors, but these trials with all the water breaking over him have left him thirsty. Thirsting for God. Panting for God the way a deer in in the midst of a drought is panting for God for water. And we see this theme of thirst in the scripture thirst and specifically spiritual thirst is a theme that runs throughout and it's a universal human condition from genesis where god put in the garden streams and a river to water all the gardens and to provide water for adam and eve and all the animals from the very first book of the bible to the last book revelation the closing invitation of the last book Of the Bible is this. The spirit and the bride say come. And let the one who hears say come. Let the one who is thirsty come. And let the one who wishes take the free gift. Of the water of life. In the end it's summed up as thirst. And he is summed up as the quencher. Of that thirst. The water of life that will end the thirst. That we live with. When Jesus took our place on the cross, yes, physically he felt intense thirst, but it was also when he said, I thirst, he was also describing the human condition that he was representing, that he was bearing on his own shoulders. I thirst. There is a thirst in our souls that is our condition. Jesus took our thirst so that he could be our thirst quencher. John chapter 7, verse 37 and 38. Jesus is standing in, a, in the feast and there's crowds around him and he stands up and in a loud voice. He says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Thirst is a craving for something. Specifically, it's meant to be a craving for something we need. When God created us, he created us, he put into us thirst. So that we would know that we need water. Thirsting for water isn't the goal. Drinking water is the goal. Thirst drives us to drink. God created in us a deep thirst for him. You know that. God's created in you a deep thirst for God. Sin has hijacked that thirst. It has hijacked that thirst and points it towards things that can never quench our thirst. I'm talking about our spiritual thirst. I'm talking about that inner deep thirst that is bound up with all our other thirsts. but. Sin hijacks that thirst and bends it away from God and in another direction. Now listen, your thirst and how sin has bent your thirst may look different than my thirst and how sin has bent my thirst. The greedy person thirsts for money. The manipulator thirsts for control. The people pleaser thirsts for people to like them. The victim thirsts for people to always feel sorry for them. The person who has a victim mentality. One person thirsts for adventure, another person thirsts for safety. Some thirst for power, some thirst for popularity. One person thirsts for Success. Another person thirsts to not fail. Sexual immorality is a thirst. Violence is a thirst. Proverbs talks about those who drink the wine of violence. Thirst, thirst, thirst. It's a driving force in our lives. Whether we know it or not, thirsts are a driving force in our life. But listen, thirst is not bad. Sin does not really create. Thirst. It hijacks the thirst that God has put in us. These thirsts in some form or another were God-given. It's normal to want to be liked and want people to care about you. That's normal. That's not weird. It's normal to want security and safety. It's normal to desire food and shelter. God gave us these thirsts so that we would find our satisfaction for them in Him. That ultimately He would be our provider, Jehovah Jireh. He would be our protector. When we are afraid, He would be the refuge we run to. But instead, sin bends us away from God and we try to satisfy these thirsts apart from God. And they go haywire then. We think if we make enough money, or we get enough people to like us, or we achieve enough success, or have enough fun, our deep thirst will be quenched. But the more we drink of it, the thirstier we get. And into this thirsty world, the alcoholic, the sex addict, the people pleaser, the fearful person, into this thirsty world, Jesus cries out and says, if anyone thirsts, let them come to me. Let them come to me. Alcoholic, come to me. And let me fill that thirst that alcohol never can. People pleaser, come to me. Let me fill your heart with the security of being accepted by the one who your soul has been tuned to care most about. Greedy person, come to me and drink of something better than all the money in the world could ever give your soul. Come to me. Jesus offers us living water, not stale, stagnant, dead water, but living water that flows and quenches our thirst. So getting back to Psalm 42, I want to look, because I think this psalm gives us some great counsel in how we are able to change our thirsts. Because if you're like me, thirsting for God is something you struggle for. It's something that's a struggle in your life. And there's so many other streams. How does this psalm help us take our misguided thirsts and bring it to the one great thirst quencher? I love a story about Ronald Reagan. When he was the governor of California, he once shared before a group of Boy Scouts of America And it was a hot, scalding, hot day. They were outside. And at one point in his speech, he paused to take a drink of water. And when he resumed, he said, if you remember one thing and only one thing, it should be this. Speeches are nothing. Thirst is everything. Always obey your thirst. A man named Donald... was an ad executive for Sprite, and he had been working on a campaign to try to change their image. Their campaign up until now was, I like the Sprite in you, which apparently wasn't selling a whole lot of soda. So he loved that thing, so he took Reagan's little impromptu statement, and he changed it to this. Image is nothing. Thirst is everything. Obey your thirst. It's a great slogan. Sold a lot of Sprite. It's a lousy way to live your life. Because as I've said, our thirsts are bent in the wrong direction. When we obey our thirsts, those thirsts just get bigger and bigger. When you see someone who's enslaved by something, they are enslaved by a thirst. It's not because they didn't drink from it. It's because they obeyed their thirst. i submit to you to god's word and this psalm doesn't call us to obey our thirst it calls us to choose our thirst the psalmist not only describes his thirst when he says as the deer pants for the streaming waters so pants my soul for you O god my soul thirsts for god for the living god he's not only expressing his thirst he's also directing his thirst he's In a time when David, in a lonely, heartbreaking time when waves are crashing over him, he could thirst for so many things. Not the least of which is just, God, get me out of this situation. I thirst for relief. I thirst for a different situation. I thirst to be loved by my son. I thirst for my enemies to be silenced. But David points his thirst right at God and he says God I thirst for you you're who I thirst for he doesn't obey his thirst he directs his thirst he chooses his thirst I want to share just a couple thoughts about how we can choose our thirst and this is for my soul and this has been stirring my soul and I hope it does yours as well I want to encourage us. First of all, choose your thirst with faith. Choose your thirst with faith. <laughs> and by the way, let me just say this, that if you are, maybe there's something that's come right to your mind and, and maybe it's got a, a life hold on you and it's a, it's a thirst, whatever it is. I want you to, to recognize in these points that you have, God gives you the initiative like you are not the just kind of helpless being carried by your thirst God can give you grace and we're going to look at that to change your thirst choose your thirst but choose your thirst with faith David is in a hard place but he continually points his faith towards God he's honest with God things are breaking One point he says, "My bones are literally shattering from the oppression on me. I'm eating tears day and night." He's not afraid to say to God, "Faith in God." In David, faith doesn't look like you know positive confession and everything's great and that all the time. Faith looks like pure honesty to God, but he always comes back to things are horrible things are terrible things are why why have you forgotten me god why am i here i am crying day and night my enemies are mocking me my bones feel shattered so why why are you downcast i think he just answered the question but he says so why are you downcast put your hope in god i will yet praise him david's thirst for god is an expression of his faith in god Choose your thirst with faith. Jesus also links thirst with faith, immediately following his words, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Jesus immediately then says, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Jesus bends our thirst Our sin bends our thirst inward. That's one of the things. Thirst bends inward. It bends us inward. But Jesus bends our thirst upward and outward. Come to me. Upward towards God. Come to me. That's what thirst is meant to drive us to. It's meant to drive us to God. Jesus is saying, come to me with your thirst. Bring it to me. Look upward. And then... He says, your thirst will then bend outward. Your heart will flow with rivers of living water. And John says, he's talking about the Holy Spirit there. The Holy Spirit will use us to help quench other people's thirst. The Lord's not just wanting us to be filled. He wants us to be overflowing so that others are able to drink of the living waters of Jesus Christ through our lives. Sin bends our thirst to constantly be looking at ourselves. What do I want? What do I need? Me, me, me. And the more we focus on that, the thirstier we get. Jesus bends our thirst upward and outward, and what we find is our deepest thirst isn't to be loved by other people. Our deepest thirst isn't to love ourselves. Do you remember that song years ago, The Greatest Love of All? Some of you older people might remember that. And it basically came down, beautiful melody and everything, but it basically came down, the greatest love of all is to love yourself. I want to humbly disagree with that. What we find is our deepest thirst is to be loved by God. And the Holy Spirit makes His love real to our hearts. So real to our hearts that we know that we are loved by Him. We come to Jesus. We receive the forgiveness. We receive the cleansing we sang about today. The great exchange. And the Father pours out His intense love for you through the Holy Spirit, making it real. So it's not just love out there objecting kind of outwardly, hitting us it's love in here subjectively touching our hearts where we know the holy spirit speaks within our hearts abba father you are my father you love me and we live and that quenches that deepest thirst who am i i'm a child of god i'm loved by god and then that the holy spirit then is able to take that and redirect our other thirst so now Instead of us wanting, 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 we actually, our thirsts begin to bend outward. We now want to love God back. We want to love other people. We want to care about other people. And these thirsts are life giving thirsts. We, we want, I mean, you don't get done thirsting for the love of God. It's like, Lord, I'm thirsty again today. Would you fill me? Would you help me to love you more? I'm thirsty for more love for you. I'm thirsty for loving people more, Lord. Choose your thirst with faith. Secondly, choose your thirst by asking God to give you a greater thirst for him. David opens the psalm with a prayer to God. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for the living God. He's praying about his thirst. And I think that's a good thing for us to do as well, especially when our thirst for God is small and our thirst for other things is bigger than we want it to be. As I said, my thirst for God isn't where I want it to be. It's not where I want it to be. I find my thirst for other things just too big in my heart. And you probably do too. Go to God with that. Don't try to put on a phony. Be honest. Be honest. One of the privileges I have is when I work on these, you know, I get to meditate on these scriptures and what a blessing that is. And as I meditated on this scripture, I recognized, man, Lord, my thirst isn't where I want it to be. And I felt this heaviness come upon me. And I don't think for any particular reason. I just felt this heaviness come upon me. Literally while I'm working on this. I had to get up and take a walk. And just, what David is doing, he's just pouring out his soul to God. If you're in a deep place, you're in a hard time in life, or maybe just emotionally getting banged around or a dark season of the soul or whatever it is, pour out your heart to God. Take a walk. Whatever. But just Be with God and let him know. If you find you're thirsty for this, that, and the next thing and have no thirst for God, tell God that. Tell God that. And say, God, would you give me a greater thirst? Help me to see how wonderful you are. Help me to see that I need living water, not dead streams, not stagnant water. Let God know and say, God, give me a stronger thirst. Listen, I love the scene when Jesus comes to a man whose son is, I think, uh, demon-possessed. And he says, if you can do anything, Jesus, please do. And Jesus says, if I can. All things are possible to him who believes. And this father cries out, I love him. God bless him. I'm so glad he's in Scripture. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. I've got some faith happening here, Lord, but man, I've got some unbelief happening too. Help me in my unbelief. In James 1, it says, If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, and God will give it liberally. If we can ask God for faith, and we can ask God for wisdom, I think we can ask God for thirst for him. God, would you give my heart? Lord, I thirst. Help. My lack of thirst. Pour out your heart to God. And lastly, we can choose our thirst by seeking the Lord. Thirsting for God is really, it produces people who are seeking God. And God promises that people who seek for God will find him. Jeremiah 29, 13, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I think that describes thirst. That does not describe a half-hearted, ah, you know what, I'm going to add Jesus into my day. It's like when you seek me with all your heart. That's like thirst. God, I am thirsty for you. I'm seeking you with all my heart. God says, you're going to find me. God responds to thirst. Seeking God with all our heart is being thirsty ground, crying out for rain. David directs his thirst for God, and he says in verse 2, When shall I come and appear before God? Now, what we need to understand about that sentence, it sounds very mystical. Like, you know, when am I going to be standing before God? But what, in context, David is thinking about is a very practical, very solid, tangible place. David loved to go to the temple, to the house of God. And he loved to be with God's people and sing and shout the joyful praises of God. And now he's in a desolate place. And he remembers that. And he's like, God, when can I go back there? When can I go back to the place where I would meet you face to face and feel the joy of my God and worship him in his house and joy, joyously celebrate him with God's people? When can I come? And appear before you, God. So I want to—I want to just encourage us. There are practical ways, and they don't get old, that we can seek God and and cultivate our thirst for God. And it's really the spiritual disciplines, with one addition. It's like reading God's word. We're never going to thirst for God if we don't read His word. We just we need God's word to build that thirst in us, and also to quench that thirst in us. Praying. I've already talked pouring out your heart to God. Find a way that you can pray. And maybe for one person, it's getting into a, a closet and getting alone and praying, and for another person, it's walking through the woods. Find a way that works for you and just pour out your heart to God and pray. Pray about that situation. Pray about that relationship. Pray about the thing that you desire. Pray about your thirst. Pray. Worshiping with other believers. How good it is for us to get together and worship together. Stepping into new ministries and new challenges and new opportunities to serve God. Sometimes, thirst is built up or quenched in us not by us getting but by us giving because we get so much and it's like man i gotta i gotta let some of this living water out i've had times when i've been so dry my faith is so dry but somehow god leads me into a conversation with someone about the lord and by the time i get done man my faith is alive so look for those opportunities that god will give you for sharing Jesus with other people. Here's the the added ingredient that's important. Because we can do all those things by rote. And and they do have value. But we are, God says, to do it with our heart all in. When you seek me with all your heart. It's all the heart that is the thirst. That is the thing that says I am thirsty and it draws God's living waters. God created spiritual thirst in us to drive us to him, the fountain of living water. And only Jesus can satisfy fully and forever the thirst that is in our soul. But oh, oh how Jesus can satisfy that thirst. David is so right on when he he prays as a deer pants for flowing streams for living waters so pants my soul for you O god i want us to close let's close our eyes i want us to close by taking a moment in the presence of the lord we're just going to be still And I want to encourage you to take your, wherever you are, and turn it into a place of an altar. Wherever you are physically, but also wherever you are spiritually, wherever you are emotionally. Take that place and turn it into an altar. And come before the Lord. And cry out to Him. Let's cry out to Him. But here's what I want to encourage you to cry out for. If you're like me, a lot of my prayers are crying out for God to give me something. Yes, in a sense, we're crying out for God to give us something, but not a solution to this problem, not a relief from that issue, but thirst. Cry out and ask God to give us a greater thirst for Him, a thirst that does what thirst is meant to do. Drive us and draw us to Him, the fountain of living water. Ask Him for a deeper thirst in your soul for Him. Let's take a moment in silence and then I'll close us with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus Christ and by the work of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, that there is a fountain that flows from Emmanuel's veins. A fountain that cleanses us of all sin because we trust in Christ. We also thank you there's also a fountain that flows to us and through us as we come to Jesus, the fountain of living water. Lord, I pray for each and every one of us. Lord, for your people, for your church, not just this church. I pray to God you would you would bring revival seekers thirsty who thirst for you. Lord, we know that the world and our flesh offer so many streams from which we are tempted to drink. But we will never find what our souls thirst for in any of those streams, Because we thirst for you. We want to hear the invitation that Jesus gave at the feast. We want to hear the invitation that close out the entire Bible. To come with our thirst and drink from you. And Lord, I pray that you would make us not only thirsty for God constantly and being quenched in our thirst by Jesus constantly, but also, Lord, Lord, well up within us is a, a well of living water to be thirst quenchers for other people. Not, that, not by us being it, but by us pointing them to the rivers of, of life, to the Savior, to the water of life, Jesus Christ. Finally, Lord, I want to pray for that person who may identify with David in that they're in a very difficult place. Waves and breakers, waterfalls pushing them down, and they barely have time to get a breath. And then another one crashes over them, and they are overwhelmed in their situation right now. And I pray that you give them grace. I pray that, God, you would speak to their heart from this psalm to draw them to you and and let them do what David did and say, God, I'm desperate for you. I'm thirsty for you, I'm hoping in you, meet me where I am. I pray that you will help their souls to find refreshing, even in the place of hardship and trial. Jesus, we thank you so much. You're such a great, wonderful Savior. We give you all the glory. We love you, Lord. Give us a deeper thirst. We pray for you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I know this is a commercial cliche, but I do want to say stay thirsty. Stay thirsty. Stay thirsty for the Lord. Pursue him. God bless you.